Welcome to week seven of Broken Branches Ministry STEM Discipleship Program podcast. I am Karen Ayers, your host. Marshall and I are honored and humbled to be able to deliver this innovative way of teaching God's word and building disciples. STEM Discipleship Program is dedicated to helping you develop that lifelong obedient and close relationship with Christ. The goal of our walk with Christ is as we walk with him, we become more like him. And it is my prayer that you're beginning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for yourself as you are becoming more and more disciplined with putting God at the center of your lives by setting aside time to go into your secret place where you meet with God to talk to him, to study his word, and to meditate in order to receive instructions from him. The first half of STEM Discipleship Program was designed to allow you to have a better understanding of who God is, who you are to God, and the relationship he desires to have with you by showing you the how and the why behind this relationship. The second part of the Discipleship Program is designed for you to take a closer look at how you operate and as an individual and to understand yourself better so that you will be able to yield to God and allow his perfect plan to be manifested in your life. Last week, we learned about the natural man who is made up of body, soul, and spirit as reported in the scriptures in the first and second chapters of Genesis. We discussed how we are spirits that live in a body And it is through the body that we experience the world through our senses. Our body sends messages to our soul, which is where our mind and our will, as well as our emotions, are housed. Our soul is where it is determined by the messages that the body sends, what we feel or what we think about something. Our soul is the area that the enemy is after. Why is that? It's because there is nothing on earth as powerful as the human will. God himself doesn't control it. Not saying that he can't. He just chooses not to. According to Webster's, will is defined as the faculty by which a person decides on and initiates action. Our will gives us the power to choose even against the will of God. This is why we cannot walk out of out God's perfect will in our lives alone. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit that lives within us to help us. Last week's memory verse, Philippians 2 and 13, reminds us of this. Let's look at it in the New Living Translation. It says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So God is working in you that gives you the power to desire to do God's will, which pleases him. God's intention was for us to use our will to perform his will on earth, not to run after everything that we wanted. So as I mentioned earlier, our body or our flesh is the transmission station that sends messages to our soul to process how we feel about a person, a place, a thing, or a situation. 
we experience life through our body. Flesh in the Bible is used relatively in two aspects. In the general aspects, it's referred to as our physical body. The second aspect is in a symbolic form relating to the capacity that we as humans have to sin and choose to follow Satan opposed to following God. In your studies last week on page 84 of your STEM Discipleship Workbook, there's an illustration depicting the lifestyle of a carnal Christian. Webster's defines carnal as relating to physical, especially sexual, needs and activities. In the Greek, carnal is translated sarkosis, sarkikos, I'll say that, which means pertaining to the flesh, S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S. That means pertaining to the flesh, bodily or temporal. So being carnal is focusing on the body, our sinful nature, and things that are temporary. Our bodies one day will return, will die and return to the dust. So flesh is temporary. The carnal Christian has received salvation by accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by faith. And the Holy Spirit, as a result of this, immediately resides within the Christian. And they are not open to allow their spirit to relate to and communicate with God. However, they've also left the door to the world and to sin open, which is represented by that lock that is open or the unlocked lock in the illustration on page 84. Therefore, the carnal Christian is open to being guided by their bodies or their flesh. This authority that the carnal Christian has now given their bodies or their flesh now directly affects their soul, which houses their chooser, which is our will. The Apostle Peter was pleading to the believers that were scattered throughout Asia Minor in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, when he wrote to them saying, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. There is a war going on between our flesh and our soul, and we won't win if we don't ask God for help. We cannot do it on our own. Paul gives a clear picture of the struggle in the New Living Translation um, version of Romans chapter 7, verse 15. It reads, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. This is an ongoing battle that you have between your flesh and your will. Have you ever heard something and reacted to it, then looked back and couldn't understand why you responded the way that you did? You were controlled by your flesh and acted in a way that you regretted later. Remember, we experience the world through our senses. So, all of which are found throughout our bodies. We see something that is pleasing to our eyes and we have to have it. 
This this can be an attractive man or woman that we know aren't God's will for us. But Lord have mercy, they are so fine and we just have to have them. This could be that piece of chocolate cake that you know the doctor said not to eat because it elevates your insulin levels. But the last time you had it, oh, it tastes so good. And I just have to have it. You couldn't resist it. You may be a a recovering addict and you smell tequila being served at the table next to you while you're out dining with your friends. Your body begins to crave it when you know it is not good for you to go backwards from, from which you've already survived. But your body sends a message to your will and you begin to justify your behavior saying things like, a little bit won't hurt me just this one time. You may be struggling in your marriage and a co-worker begins to tell you the things that you have been begging your spouse to acknowledge and you begin to become emotionally attached to someone who is not your spouse. You begin to justify the behavior because what they are saying to you sounds so good and you justify the choices you are making to continue in the activities by saying things like, well, you know, at least we're not having sex or anything. In each of these scenarios, that pause that we have to consider what we should do or what we should not do is the Holy Spirit whispering to the believer to walk away and to yield to the Holy Spirit and not to our flesh. The choice we make in this space determines who rules us. If we indulge in the the desires of the flesh, what happens now, you have allowed sin to win. If you resist, you have yielded to the Holy Spirit and therefore living by the Spirit and walking into God's will for your life. So why is this all important, you may ask? It's important because even though we are saved from hell once we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we will still be judged how we lived our lives out when Jesus returns. Jesus will will judge us. And we see that in John chapter 5, verse 22. Once we receive Christ, we are saved and will go to heaven as participants in the body of Christ. Romans 11, 29 tells us that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. So salvation is a gift and that it can't be taken back. However, How you live your life after salvation, the motives that you have and how you treat your salvation and and others will be judged. It matters how we talk to other people. It matters how we walk out this Christian life of grace. And this is what the second half of this discipleship program is designed to do. It's designed to help you by examining yourself and understanding from the scriptures what is expected of you once you have said yes to this walk. Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 through 17 gives us instructions as to how to handle believers who are sinning and who continue in their sin. It reads, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. 
But if they are, they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. This is for the destruction of their flesh. Not that they would lose their salvation because they can't lose it. It is done with the ultimate goal of restoring them to fellowship like Jesus did for Peter after he was raised from the dead. When he restored and forgave Peter for denying him. This week's memory verse is Romans 12 verse 1. You are to memorize it in the NIV version this week. However, for a deeper understanding, I want to remind you to dissect the scripture by looking up words you are unfamiliar with and see what their meanings are in Hebrew if it is in the Old Testament scripture and in Greek if it's in the New Testament. So let's look at Romans chapter 12 verse 1 in the New Living Translation and it reads... And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. As Christians, we understand to some extent the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross to us, but we tend to struggle to understand what actual sacrifice looks like or what it means for our lives. Sacrifice is the act of giving up something for someone or for a purpose. We have seen the transaction of sacrifice played out in our lives as with the parent-child relationship and certain behaviors or luxuries or habits were given up for someone we cared about. We know of women who were chain smokers. Um, When they found out that they were pregnant, they were able to sacrifice their desire to have a smoke to make sure that their unborn child had the best opportunity to be born healthy. I know of fathers who sacrificed precious family time in order to work two jobs uh, to assure that their children had money for college. Sacrifice in the Bible was first seen after Adam and Eve sinned and was hiding from God covered in fig leaves. In Genesis 3.21, we see God making garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothe them. Because he knew that these fig leaves were not going to be able to cover them and hold up the test of time through for the long haul. Beginning with the fall of Adam and Eve, something had to be sacrificed to atone for sin. These garments of skin that God provided came from some animal. Something was sacrificed. God provided grace to Adam and Eve by allowing them to live, but something had to die. From that point on in the Old Testament, we see many stories of sacrifice. And throughout the Bible, we see all these sacrifices up to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus was the actual sacrifice for our sins on the cross. God wants us to be a living sacrifice. 
because we understand and appreciate the grace that he had given us. Sacrificing our fleshly desires to align ourselves continually with the will of God is an acceptable or a suitable way to worship or to express reverence, honor, and adoration to God. In Romans 12 and 1, Paul is basically saying, Jesus died for us. And the least we can do is to not let Satan rule our lives through yielding to our fleshly desires and letting him win this battle between our flesh and our soul. It means that we will give more than lip service to our faith. It means that we will sacrifice every aspect of our lives to him and will commit our body to holy, righteous living. It is my prayer that you are committing to completing your daily journal reading and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit because those scriptures further elaborate on the topics for the week and it allows space for you to meditate and to hear from the Holy Spirit. One such um, scripture that you will have this week is Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. It is such a rich passage of scripture that I want to dissect it here for a moment, extending through verse 10. And and let's examine it in the New Living Translation as it relates to how we should look at sin and what our response to sin should be. Verse 1, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So death here is referred to as a spiritual death that was a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. Sin separated or it killed the relationship that man had with God. Remember, the person who has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior are separated from God because the Holy Spirit does not live within them. Let's go on to verse 2. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Sin's leader or master is Satan. So verse two goes on to say, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit now resides in your heart to help you resist the devil who is at work in the heart's which is also the mind, and we'll study more about the mind next week, but the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Satan is a spirit as well, and he is busy working in those who are disobedient to God's way. Remember, the carnal Christian is open to the Holy Spirit, and they're also open to Satan. Verse 3. Allow, verse 3, I'm sorry. All of us, used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse 6, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. 
So this is saying, even though we were dead because of our sins, since we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were raised from the dead, you know, from death, that separation from God that sin caused when Jesus was raised from the dead. So we were raised from the dead, from the death, no longer that separation from God is there. Verse seven says, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by grace when you believed and you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Verse nine, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Boy, I love that. We were created new. We became new creations as stated in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. We are to be new creations who are not yielding to our flesh and allowing Satan to control us but to allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us to produce his fruits, the fruits of the Spirit that counteract the lust of the flesh. So let's take a look at these acts of lust of the flesh and partner partner them with the fruit of the Spirit to illustrate how to submit to God and resist Satan so that he can flee as found in James 4 and 7. First turn to page 96 of your STEM Discipleship Workbook and read Galatians 5 verses 16 through 18 to understand better the war that goes on with the Holy Spirit and our sinful nature and identify what the acts of the flesh are. Verse 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Hmm. It says let. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let indicates a choice of will. We have to choose to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. Remember, our chooser is in our soul. Our will is our chooser. Verse 17 says, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You remember those commercials that would show an image of the devil dressed in red on one shoulder and an image of an angel dressed in all white on the on the other shoulder whispering into the ear of the person? You remember that? This is a great imagery of the fight that goes on for real in the spiritual realm. They have nothing in common. The devil and, and the Holy Spirit, they are different in all ways. They're different in all things and they have vastly different agenda. 
And so what the scripture is saying, there is no liberation that lies in our sinful nature. It is a struggle. It's hard. It's a fight that goes on all the time that hinders you from making right choices. But verse 18 says, but when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. If the Holy Spirit is in us and we allow him to lead us, we are covered by grace that came as a result of Jesus' sacrifice. Hmm. Let's move on to verses 19 through 21 to highlight those acts of the flesh. It reads, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. This discipleship program is designed for you to take a look at yourself and hold your life and lifestyle next to what God desires for you. There is no condemnation in Christ. He doesn't look down on us or treat us differently because of what we've done. Man, man is the only one that does that. We can only conquer what we are willing to look straight in the face. I remember a time when I was going through a discipleship program many years ago, right after my divorce was final for my first husband, and, and I was back on the dating scene. I struggled with sexual immorality because sex was readily available and within the boundaries of marriage and okay with God when I was married. However, just because I was no longer married, it didn't mean that my desires for sex were going to stop automatically and I struggled. I prayed for God to help me and I continued to struggle. The word of God tells us in Mark chapter 9, verses 28 through 29, that some spirits only come out by fasting and prayer. You may ask me, why am I calling sex outside of marriage as a spirit? Let's go back to what we were studying earlier. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 tells us that Satan is the spirit that leads sin. There's a spirit that is not the Holy Spirit within us that works in opposition to God. Some of these spirits that are in opposition to God can only be removed by fasting and prayer. This is what I found to be true for the sexual immorality, specifically fornication or having sex outside of marriage that I was struggling with. I had to literally picture Jesus with me in the act, along with praying and fasting to stop allowing my body or my flesh to guide me and to allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of patience and temperance which is self-control within me. When we yield to the spirit, 
his fruits are produced. They're not only produced, but they're developed and they're harvested. Turn to page 97 of your STEM Discipleship Journal. And I want want you to note here, what acts of the flesh do you need to give over to God? And let's go back to the list that we have here in Galatians, where we want to talk about them a little bit more. Sexual immorality. This can be fornication, having sex outside of marriage. It can be homosexuality. It can be bisexuality. It could be bestiology. It could be, you know, people having, uh, men having sex with men, women having sex with women, um, people having sex with animals or inanimate objects, impurity, put yourself in a, in a place that is, it is, um, not pure, having foul language come out of your mouth that is not um, pure and holy. Lustful pleasures. This can look like pornography. It can look um, like peeping, you know, peeping Johns, you know, looking at people when they don't see you. Voyeurism. Um, Idolatry is putting things um, above God. Worshipping people and possessions, money, and not above God, sorcery, witchcraft, anything of the dark age, hostility, always having a problem with things, you know, not being able to c- control your anger, causing uh, fights with people all the time, quarreling, uh, being jealous. We have here talking behind other people's backs. We have outbursts of anger where we can't control our emotions. We have selfish ambition. We're only looking out for number one. We're not thinking about what our actions or what those actions that we may have, how they affect other people. Dissension, always whispering something into someone's ear that is having them think about another person differently, causing division within within marriages or families. There's always something going on. Mess is always stirred up. It's always something going on. Envy, wanting something that someone else has drunkenness, getting um, drinking to excess where, you know, another other places in the Bible talks about um, don't get drunk on wine for it leads to debauchery. Debauchery is where, or drunkenness, where we're not able to make sound decisions. So we want to, our um, decision maker is faulted at that time because of the excessive alcohol we've intake wild parties where all kind of stuff is going on and other sins like these. So when we talk about this list of things and the other sins like these that that scripture refers to, I want you to be mindful and turn to, you know, your STEM discipleship workbook. And I want you to jot down on, on page 97. What are you challenged with? What are the some what are some of the strongholds you may also struggle with? For me it was sex. For you it may be an addiction. A relationship that you know is not good for you or is not God's best for you. Is it lying for no reason? Talking about people that you don't know behind their backs? Or is it causing that discord or dissension by letting envy and jealousy rule you? What do you say to yourself 
that you just can't help yourself. We have some people that only date or marry people who abuse them in some way. We have other people that only will date, marry people. Others may say, I always choose wrong. Is your opinion of yourself contrary to who God says you are to him and you're stuck in a cycle of depression and self-esteem issues as a result? Who are you listening to? Remember, these acts of the flesh come through our senses. What is being said? How do you feel about things? What are you tasting that you know you shouldn't, you have no business desiring? Write those things down on page 97 and be honest. And if you honestly don't know if you have any strongholds or uh, any issues, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. That's my prayer all the time. Father, search the crevices of my heart and expose those things that I don't know I have issues with. And ask him to help you control those things and give it over to God. Galatians 5 verses 22 through 25 gives us some instructions on how to not give in to the desires of our flesh, but to live by the Spirit. It reads, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We nail our sinful natures to the cross by walking in the Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in us. All of our sinful nature cravings can be overcome by a fruit of the Spirit. When it comes to our body and our sensual cravings and overindulgence in food or substances, those can be overcome by allowing the Holy Spirit's help um, to help us strengthen our spiritual muscles in the areas of patience and self-control, for instance. If we are yielding to the Holy Spirit to help us resist sins, hold on us when it comes to our emotions like jealousy and outbursts of anger, then the fruit of the spirit of love, peace, and joy matured in the believer can counter the hold that anger and jealousy may have on us. Also, love exercised consistently will also fight against hostility, the quarreling, the dissension, the division, as well as idolatry and and sorcery. Our love for God and our understanding of his love for us will be the fuel that moves us away from putting others ahead of him or worshiping his creation as opposed to worshiping him, the creator. Learning to love what God loves and hate what God hates help us, helps us win the fight against the flesh and the spirit. 
on page 99 of your STEM Discipleship Workbook, jot down how you will use each part of your body as you represent it to God for his glory. How can you glorify God with your hands, with your eyes, with your feet, with your stomach, your sexual organs, your ears, your tongue? Which area would you need the most help with surrendering to God? Write it down in your prayer journal in the back of your workbook and ask God to help you. I pray that you've gotten a prayer partner by now. Ask your prayer partner to help you, to pray for you in this area. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I promise you, I promise you, you can change harmful habits and yield every aspect of your life, not just some of it to God, but every aspect of it. He has a perfect plan for your life if you will only just trust him with it. One thing I know, the word of God tells us that that Jesus returning will come like a thief in the night. We don't know when that is. We have no idea what that is. So I'm urging you to handle this business with Jesus and be ready because there will be a time that will come that we will be judged for how we lived out this Christian life on this earth. I pray that to today, I pray that today blessed you. I know it's a little deep and I and challenged you as well to take a look at how you can rule your flesh so that you can rule your soul and submit to the plan that God has for your life. When I first began looking at myself, it wasn't easy at all. I was like, God, I don't know. I love you. I love you. I promise you I love you. But I don't know if I could do this. And I had to ask God for his help through the process. I had to also ask God to not let any guilt, shame, or embarrassment set in in me. And that is my prayer for you. Ask God to help you through this process. And don't let you quit. Don't let the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment, the possible guilt, shame, and the embarrassment set in. That is how the enemy uses the information because he's going to use the information that's housed in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that's why we're taking time to dive into each one of these. Next week, we will go into the mind and talk more about taking control over our mind and our thoughts because that's another area that the enemy uses. So God already knew what you did before you did it. And he forgave you for it. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself and surrender your flesh to God as an act of worship and thanksgiving to him. The scriptures you'll be studying and meditating on this week. Again, it's Romans 12 and 1. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24, Romans chapter 7, verse 18 in the 
English Standard Version. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 14. And finally, Ephesians chapter 2, again, verses 1 through 4. And let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us despite the sin that once overtook us. You're an awesome wonder. And we love and honor you so very much with a sincere heart, heart, Father. Help us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to you as an act of worship. And appreciate the grace that you've extended to us. And as a way to not allow Satan to rule our bodies. Father, help us not to continue in our sin. Because it's one thing not to know that we're sinning, but once we know that we're sinning to continue in our sin, there's consequences for that, Father God. So I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone who is listening to this podcast that they would do a U-turn away from their sin and to trust you and to honor you with their bodies as a living sacrifice, Lord God. That's acceptable. That's an acceptable offering to you, Father God. I thank you, Lord God, that Satan will not win in any area of our lives. Father, it starts with us yielding to the Holy Spirit at all times. Help us to do so. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.